Good evening. This is another edition of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. As always, I am your host. Uh, my name is Kyle Bird, and with me is my co-host. Matt Parmley. How's it yeah. going, Kyle? Uh, good, good. How are you? Uh, it's been a uh, been a fun day. I was off for President's Day, so I didn't have to work, thank God. That, that's, uh, not nice real, that's, that's not a real day. I didn't think anyone besides the bank was off on president's day i don't know man i got i guess i got a uh a sweet gig in my job but okay. you ce- also- you spent your day celebrating trump no <laughs> no okay i uh i did go to on a little hike with my kiddo and my wife and it was it was a good day but we should mention we have a very special guest with us today uh, kyle yount from kaiju cast say hello kyle why hello gentlemen how is it going in uh, good old portland oregon it's actually pretty cold. We actually had snow this weekend, which is really like that is bizarre. <laughs> bizarre for us, really. It, I mean, for us, it's really bizarre. And uh, I literally woke up, opened the door to let my dog outside, and I was like, "What the hell?" Our snow is yeah, uh, about to melt, which means we're gonna get buried under more of it, like any time now. Dude, probably. it was seventy degrees here. I don't. What the hell? <laughs> you guys have snow, and it was 70, 70 today. It was gorgeous. <laughs> It's like 40 out here. Um, but yes, we have the other uh, kaiju podcasting, Kyle, who <laughs> I'm pretty sure anyone listening to this also listens to your show. So uh, if they're, in case someone like stumbled in here on accident, uh, Kyle Yount here, he hosts the Kaiju Cast, which was probably, as far as the kaiju podcasting thing goes, probably the first and definitely probably the most popular one. Over the years, there's a whole bunch of us now. You used to be the only gig in town. I was the only game in town. For a long time, my intro tag was like the only podcast dedicated to Godzilla or something like that. And then, yeah, slowly but surely, more and more people started doing it which I completely love. I mean, I think there's there's so much room in the airwaves <laughs> for this stuff, and I like hearing other people's thoughts on this stuff, too. So uh, I'm very happy to say there's more Godzilla podcasts out there that I could even really listen to. But yeah, I uh, I think, I mean, I don't know if I was the first one, because when I looked through some forums at one point, it looked like someone else had started one but their stuff was nowhere to be found at all. So I just, I'll, I'll claim first. <laughs> um, also, one of the first podcasts I, I started listening to, it was like you guys and the Dread Central podcast, probably. But I've been yeah. podcasting since, I think, 2011. So, uh, but yeah, this show is in its infancy. For, we talked a while ago, and you... Like before, or right when you were starting to do starting to do some podcast stuff, right? Yeah, like, yeah. When I started, if it bleeds, I remember I reached out to you about like different programs and and some stuff like that. And then Kaiju Transmissions, we're we're what a year and a half in, I think. Yeah, I think June or July is going to be two years. Yeah, 
So if you want to bring us your listeners, <laughs> let us borrow some of your listeners. Because guys, <laughs> uh, sit right down and you'll hear a tale about weird bounty hunters and bio weapons from outer space. <laughs> hey, uh, I should mention, Kyle, I don't, I don't know if you're aware of this, but when we did our joint interviews at G-Fest, remember we had like four of us in the rooms? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Part of this was my terrible, uh, being terrible computers, but when we set up our mics, it was picking up all this ambient noise, so like it drowned out some of the interviews. But the one thing it picked up was your glorious radio voice. Uh, <laughs> so like, we would be asking a question, and all of a sudden I would like clearly hear you, couldn't hear the Japanese guests, and couldn't hear the translators. And it was the funniest thing, and it was because we had our mic settings screwed up, among other things. But like, I, I, I still get a kick out of that. Uh, I just cut through the din, man. <laughs> Thank you for for uh, complimenting my pipes. I, you know, it's weird because I I know that when you listen, if you brave the old, old, old episodes, I definitely don't have the podcast voice. So it was uh, it was like a natural evolution for me to start talking this way when I'm on mic. I don't know when it happened or how long it actually took, but. Thank you very much. <laughs> and um, uh, like us, uh, you like to do a lot of interviews with people at conventions and stuff. Is there anything uh, going on lately? Uh, I know you kind of uh, started redoing a lot of the Godzilla movies and stuff you did a long time ago. Um, anything else going on at Kaiju Cast that you want to plug that we should know about? Sure, yeah. So we actually just kicked off, um, this is year number nine, oh right? Yeah, so year number nine started in January. Um, and last year, 2017, I took a group of, of listeners over to Japan, which was a ton of fun, and I'm going to be doing it again in 2019. Um, what else do we do? Uh, oh, yeah, because this is sort of the last year you mentioned we're redoing some of the older movies that we've talked about. And the reason we're doing that is because starting in January, 2019, which will be the 10th anniversary of the podcast, the way we talk about movies is getting completely restructured and we're going to do a lot more deep diving stuff and hopefully have some cool interactivities off of the podcast itself and on the website and, and there's a lot of stuff I'm sort of trying to work through, but not ready to talk about because that's, I don't want to be like, hey, I'm going to promise this and then it's not going to happen. But um, yeah, I'm hoping that year 10 of the Kaiju cast is going to be a pretty big deal for just the the podcast itself. So, uh, yes, if you don't already listen to the Kaiju cast, um, continue listening to Kaiju Transmissions podcast. But, you know, check us out every once in a while. <laughs> um, and anything else that you are you covering any of the i'm assuming you guys will probably do pacific rim yeah we'll do pacific you did the rim last one rising. we might do something for rampage just for fun mm -hmm. um uh, we did talk a little bit about mazinger z infinity which okay. will be coming up on an episode coming up but yeah you know this is a big year for giant monster stuff how was that by the way I loved Mazinger Z Infinity, actually. So, um, are, are, are you familiar with the series? Because I, it, like, I mean, it played 
like everywhere for those few days and I was like, oh, maybe I should go, but I was I I have never watched any of the other stuff and I know it's supposed to be a sequel to the original series, so I was just like, you know, I can't can't be getting into that right now. So I sat that out, but I mean like would I be completely would it would is it worth watching if you don't know the series? I think it's worth watching if you don't know the series. I think if you've only seen a couple of episodes or if you even just have a passing understanding of the characters, maybe not the human characters, but even just the robots, it's totally worth watching. I mean, it actually made me really nostalgic because I used to watch Transor Z when it was on when I was a kid. And that's the American as uh, the Americanized version of, of Mazinger Z. Uh, and so I, I hadn't seen it in so, so many years. I'd seen like some getter Ro- or Shin getter robo stuff and some of the older, older seventies stuff. But when that movie started, it pretty much just jumped right in. There's like giant robots fighting everywhere. And it just immediately made me feel like I was home. Okay. Cool, yeah, cool. Totally good. Totally fun. I mean, it's a little confusing, but I feel I feel like that about pretty much every anime I oh, watch. Yeah. If if it's anime, it's usually ridiculously convoluted. <laughs> um, he says that we are coming off the uh, coming up to the Evangelion episode that we have. Yeah, we recorded uh, Evangelion last week with Kevin <laughs> from Mazer Patrol, and man, just, I I attempted to do the synopsis and. Even after like a five minute synopsis, there were like a hundred things I didn't talk about. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, but yeah, no, it's it's great to have you. Um, uh, it's nice. We've been doing a few crossovers lately, um, uh, and uh, like with other podcasts and stuff that that people will be hearing. Uh, on and off. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we like to do this. It, it gives, especially with having someone like you on here, gives us the opportunity to bring, uh, more people in. Like, um, even us, we did the emergency broadcast with you last year and even us being on there for like five minutes, like we've had a, we had a ton of people saying like, Hey, I got to you guys from Kaiju cast. So, so thank you for once again, collaborating. And, and this, this should be a fun, uh, fun conversation. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this. I'm a big fan of the director. I'm a big fan of these movies. So I'm psyched. All right. So um, another thing about, uh, I mean, we mentioned how there's a bunch of us now doing these kaiju podcasts. And, um, you know, I've listened to a few. Some are good. Some are not so good. But I, I think one thing is that a lot of us are kind of doing different things. And one thing that we do different from you is you're you're much more focused um on the the very specific niche of the 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 giant monsters the kaiju um you don't typically veer out of japan that much um so one thing that i do know about you um just based on uh, listening to your show is that, like you said, you're a big fan of this director and this franchise, which is Zerum, and it doesn't seem like something that you would do, uh, you know, a Daikaiju discussion or something about, so um, so it's it's cool to have you here talking about something that you might not necessarily cover on Kaiju Cast. Yeah, I'd love to be able to branch out and talk about this kind of stuff, like uh, if you ever get me at a party 
sequestered into a corner and start asking me about taxidermy and other oddities stuff, I will go off and we will have a big long conversation <laughs> because I don't get to talk about that stuff normally. And you're absolutely right. I, we probably won't be covering Zerum, but it's great that we're doing this because I did interview uh, Keita Amemia and we are going to be releasing that episode around the same time that you guys released this. And I think I'm going to get some of my guys to come over and talk about the more large monsterish movies or experiments that he's done like moon over Tau mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, iron warrior Mikazuki. Cause those for sure we need to talk about on my podcast. You pronounce you pronounced it. Amemia. Amemia. Yeah. Okay. I've so, always been saying Amemia and I see now I'm torn. Because I've heard it both ways, and I mean, Matt and I are already get yelled at enough for not saying names right. So mostly me. But... <laughs> yeah, mostly Matt. Uh, so, what is your source for this pronunciation? Because if I'm going to uh, do it, I need to know where it came from. <laughs> I heard it from uh, the people who were handling Amemia at Monster Palooza last year. Okay, I can. Okay, I can handle that. So uh, I will adopt that pronunciation when I remember for the duration of this podcast, but knowing me, I'll probably just go back to my old ways, and Matt will probably pronounce his I'll name. I'll say like, it both ways. I'll probably say it both ways throughout the episode, so forgive me in advance. Yeah, or you're, you're just going to com- say like something that sounds nothing like it. Uh, <laughs> I will correct neither one of you. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about... Uh, so. We're doing the Zerum films. We have uh, part one, which was made in 91. We have the Iria, the animation, which came out in 94, and then uh, as well as Zerum 2. And before we get to that, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Kaita Amamiya. See, there it is. I'm just going to say Amamiya because it's just easier for me. All right? Okay. (laughs) But we're going to talk about his – some of his first film works – his first movie came out in 1988, uh, Mirai Ninja, a.k.a. Cyber Ninja, and that actually debuted at the uh, Cannes Film, Film Festival. And one thing that's pretty awesome about this, I don't know, I actually watched the trailer um, for this that's on YouTube. looks pretty awesome. It's basically cyborgs versus humans. It feels very, you know, Terminator-ish. Um, one cool little factoid about this is that Namco eventually released an arcade game with the same name. Uh, he's also known for his works, uh, Shin Kamen Rider, which we actually covered on this podcast. Is art, the art design uh, director for Kamen Rider J and Kamen Rider Zo, which I really love. Which are awesome. Uh, yeah, they're they're great. Um, Mechanical Violator Hakider, which I watched with Eric and Isoso, but you can definitely see his flair in that film. Uh, Garo, which I plan to cover at some. We, I'm sure we're going to cover that at some point. Uh, seasons one and two were just put out on Blu-ray, actually, and you can get those from Amazon. And then uh, Ultraman USA, he did, which is the animation, which was actually a co-production between uh, his company and, and Hanna Barbera. Um, he's also known for several video games, uh, Onimusha two and three, which um, I actually remember those. I don't know if you guys ever played that series, but it, it, now knowing that he was part of that, you can definitely see his aesthetic kind of throughout the video game even. Um, So he's not just known as a director, but also as an illustrator and designer. He's also really fun to follow on Instagram because he just posts his own like art and sketches and he, he posts like, 
ton of them. He's been posting all this Devil Man stuff lately, so I'm not sure if he just watched Crybaby or, or what, but... Well, you know, it's one of his Garo characters actually looks a little bit like Devil Man, and uh, his his art style, like, I actually considered him to be an illustrator first and a film director second, because mm-hmm. the amount of, um, you know, 2D stuff that he that he puts out there is just insane. And when he was at the, at monster Palooza, he was actually doing commissions for people and, uh, he did a ton and they were just drop dead gorgeous. They're just like the stuff you see on Instagram, except uh, sometimes a little more shaded, super great. I think his first job was as an animator on gunhead. And then, yeah, he got into art direction and character design and stuff like that. And eventually started directing, um, Kamen Rider Zoe is the movie that got me into his work, um, and yeah, I've I've been a fan ever since. Uh, and he he definitely has a very unique, as you said, a very unique, uh, identifiable style. Um, and one thing I love about him, Matt and I actually just did a uh, our first episode on the Harryhausen films and. We were talking about, you know, the stop motion versus suits debate. And what I said, I, I mentioned him because what he, he, he just says, screw it. I, I, he just uses all of it, you know. So he'll use stop motion, he'll use CG, he'll use uh, men in suits and tokusatsu effects, and he'll just make like a, a, a stew of all, all kinds of ways to bring creatures to life. And, oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. you you don't see that <laughs> really anywhere else, especially <laughs> outside of Japan. You know, it's you know everyone just wants to go one way or the other. But he's like, hey, all these are great. I'm going to use them all. Yeah, he's got a big toolbox, and he likes to dive in. Yeah, have you watched Garo? I've seen the first season of Garo, okay, and I it just, was unbeatable. yeah. I just picked it up and started watching it. It's, it's I, I like it so far, though. I'll probably get into a get into that at some point i think matt that's I love, uh wire work kung fu movies and yeah. the action in gara reminds me of the wire work kung fu stuff i'm sold already like i said i have the i actually have both ones already i just have to make some time to to watch it um now real quick have either of you guys seen cyber ninja no no i i, I want to watch that based on just that trailer it looks insane yeah, that one I haven't seen. So I'll give you a, a, just a little brief heads up. It's really not that great, but it did get a U.S. release uh, a long time ago, and you can find it. It's I'm sure it's like a VHS to DVD transfer, but it's part of a Ninja collection. And so I bought or you know grabbed everything I could of Amemio's work before I interviewed him so that I could really have a good background of what he's done. And... That movie is nothing but pretty stuff to look at. There's, I mean, I couldn't even really tell you the plot of the film. Uh, it's just really, just like Amemia's uh, visual style, it's just very pretty to look at. Very, very cool stuff on screen. Well, that, the good news is, is if it's in one of those cheap like mo- ninja movie packs, it's probably like five bucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. totally. totally. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, Garo got huge. Like Garo has taken off the same way like Common Rider took off. Like there's Garo 
everywhere like i was trying to re- read like all the different shows and movies and continuities and like it, it it's insane and um but i think before that um i mean maybe the common rider films but i was going to say before that one probably his most famous or one of his most famous things that he was known for was the the zarum uh i guess i'll call it franchise series whatever you want to call it um like I rem- like I actually didn't watch any of this stuff until probably the la- within the last year or so. Uh but I remember like the anime would show on the Sci-Fi channel. I remember when the movie seemed to be uh the VHS for the the movies used to be like in every video store. Um so yeah, I, I think these uh had quite a a mass appeal. Um, I think the Zerum films, at least the first one, because it was released outside of Japan too, definitely has a mass appeal. And uh, I think like that's the reason people in the United States really are going to know who Keita Amemia is, is because of Zerum. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when we were at Monster Palooza, I saw all sorts of people coming up like crazy uh, special effects people who are like, Oh my God, I love Zerum. It's so cool. So it's, it's really interesting. I mean, I love seeing how influential some of these people are from Japan over here in the States. Uh, and I, I'm really glad that they brought him for monster Palooza because he was a big hit, especially with all those special effects people and the artists who were there. Yeah. And I remember I wasn't there. But it was, I think it was one of the G-Fests that was out in California. He was one of the guests as well. Oh, yeah, the 2000 one, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, that's probably when, like, a lot of these, a lot of people were discovering his work around here. I think mid-90s, early 2000s. I think well, one of you, one of you guys mentioned Terminator earlier, and I, I would I would feel comfortable saying he was probably a fan of terminator Uh, yeah for sure um (laughs) i also remember it too like you mentioned the video stories like this was one of the first films i remember renting a couple times from either like my blockbuster we had this place called west coast video and somehow my brother and i got my my mom to uh rent it for us just based on the the cover alone and so i was probably like i would imagine i was 10 maybe my brother was probably seven when we watched this not sure that's age appropriate or not but it's uh it was a really cool movie and i remember um there's a couple of things we'll probably talk about later that i specifically remember and one of the reasons i like to film but also vhs man rest in peace uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this also kind of came out of a wave of kind of sort of cyberpunkish sci-fi live action stuff that was coming out like around the same time you had like the guyver uh the eight man um stuff like that hitting totally uh, yes in fact 1991 was a really kind of sparse year for sci-fi in general the real standout is terminator 2 obviously right um so yeah the these kind of movies were kind of big they, like they seem to kind of take a lot of influence from like Tsukamoto and stuff like tetsuo but then also you know, tokusatsu stuff. Um, in terms of Zerum, though, I think um, a lot of people make comparisons to stuff like Power Rangers or Super Sentai and Kamen Rider, all of which existed previously, but I, I, I can see how Amamiya's uh, fingerprints 
kind of wound up on a lot of that that stuff, especially in terms of influence. And we didn't even mention he uh, he did a lot of stuff for you know the Super Sentai series as well, like Zoo Ranger and shows like that. Um, Matt, he actually directed the Japanese version of what was on Power Rangers, the Power Punks episode. That's the episode that we watched oh, together. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think his influence kind of lasted on on those Toei shows as well. Um, but so let's talk about 1991's Zerum. Um, now information about all this stuff is pretty sparse, uh, which tends to happen every now and then when you get into some of the lower profile uh, Japanese properties. But what we have, we can talk about. Um, for instance. Uh, I know that the creature, Zerum himself, came from Amemia thinking of, you know, the Edo period uh, in the the wardrobe and thinking how weird and kind of creepy it would be to run into someone dressed as an Edo traveler at night, like in an alleyway. Um, so that's why the, the creature has what looks like one of those, you know, straw hats, uh, which, I mean... It's not a hat. We'll we'll talk about what it actually is. And so that was an idea that was kind of stuck in his mind. And Gaga Communications asked if you, uh, him to make a movie, and you know he kind of ran with that idea. Um, and then uh, a few things in the writing and and directing stages. Uh, I have a few little tidbits we can talk about here. Um, the concept of Iria, who was the the heroine of of the series. And uh, Zerum coming from um, uh, just the mechanics of how the creature looks and works and her personality, she has that kind of stoic hero um, vibe, came uh, from him. He he really wanted to make the monster have, kind of subvert what you would expect from a monster. So when you look further at Zerum and then... Um, you know, the different transformations it goes through. He wanted the character to have a lot of feminine kind of traits, and so he wanted uh, to kind of subvert the kind of sexuality of these characters. And so, uh, on the other hand, Iria, who is, you know, the hot female heroine, her um, personality and just overall vibe is is a lot more masculine. Um and I know when he imagined how the battles would go, he was thinking, what if uh, Kyuzo from Seven Samurai were to fight Godzilla? And those are two of his favorite characters from two of his favorite movies. Um, and uh, the only other thing I really know is uh, it was supposed to be direct-to-video, which I think was, was Cyber Ninja uh, an uh, OVA? Was that direct-to-video? I'm not sure. Well, I definitely would say it's direct to video in the United States. About well, in Japan. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Zerum was actually made for video release, but uh, Mia got it into a uh, a film festival in Tokyo where it was a big hit, and so they they went theatrical with it. But uh, um, that's that's really all all there really was to discuss about the making of the film. Like I said, there's not a lot of information out there, you know. Um, we were able to pull a couple interviews, and um, there's also a featurette on the, the Media Blasters DVD. But, yeah, not a whole lot out there, but I think that's all pretty interesting information. Um, so, uh, Kyle Y., you are the guest of honor today, and uh, your love of 
uh, Zerum is what made us decide to pick this topic for you. So why don't you go ahead, give us a brief synopsis of, of the first film. Okay. Boy meets girl, girl meets monster. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) So our film opens with a super grainy, super smoky montage of a lone humanoid massacring a battalion of futuristic soldiers. A message in some bizarre alien language appears on screen. Zerum has escaped. Capture him immediately, dead or alive. Meanwhile, on Earth, a woman in a long red cloak (laughs) struts through the streets of electric town Akihabara in Tokyo. She drops one of her apples, and a boorish gambler named Kamiya, who is played by Yukijiro Hotaru, apparently he just won some big money off a horse race. He picks up that apple and follows her, uh, and let's see, uh, and then he's chased by his partner, which is a guy named Tepe, who's played by Kunihiko Ida. And uh, I don't know why they, they did this in this way. Have you, did you guys notice their, their costumes, by the way? Yeah. Their outfits are like so brightly colored. And even the back, you can tell uh, they have this logo on the back that you can tell Amemia designed. It's uh, for Takahashi Electric. It's like a electric lion or something. Anyway, so Tepe and... Uh, and Kamiya, basically, they are electricians, and they get sent by their company to go all the way around and uh, take care of problems. They get sent to uh, some area where Iria, who is the bounty hunter chick who we saw earlier, the strangely cloaked red, red cloaked uh, woman, she is setting up, or she has her set up base in this building and they are siphoning electricity. So they are actually sent to her location. And when they get there to her location, um, Tepe, who's kind of dumb, he's like the straight man to, uh, Hotaru's very kind of like, uh, have you, have you guys seen Taurus on? I'm not. Yeah. Anyway, it's sort of like, Sort of like I said earlier, he's really boorish. Uh, Hotara's character in this movie. Anyway, Tepe, who's the the straight man, he literally stands on top of a transporter pad and goes, "Oh, I think maybe we should leave a note here." And it just happened to be right at that point that he gets transported to what's called the zone. Now, this location where we are right now, uh, this is like I said, the home base, the secret base of Iria, who is a bounty hunter, an intergalactic bounty hunter, and Bob, her computer-assisted assistant, or her her Jarvis, basically. Anyway, so they were about to set up this thing called the Zone and trap a uh, space bad guy called Zerum, who is like a bioweapon. And uh, the Zone is essentially like a pocket dimension. It's an exact duplicate of some, you know, let's say 10-kilometer radi- radius on earth that they, they set up and then they don't, don't hurt anybody when they capture this big bad guy. Anyway, Tepe gets sent there and then Iria tries to go stop him and, uh, Kamiya grabs her. And so they all get transported to the, the zone. And at that point, uh, Tepe, I don't know how it happens, but Tepe is on his own Iria and Kamiya are arguing and she traps him in a little prison 
and uh, then as he's walking around, Tepe finds Zerum, finds the big bad guy. And the, oh, the, damn it, the thing I forgot to mention about this was that the reason they were going to leave a note, the electricians were going to leave a note for these bounty hunters <laughs> is because they didn't think they were bounty hunters. They thought that they were a movie studio stealing electricity for their set. And so Tepe still thinks somehow that he is in a movie set or uh, dealing with movie people. And so he sees Zerum and thinks he's an actor and he's literally asking for like the person in charge. And then that's when Zerum, uh, I think attacks and Tepe runs for his life. Uh, Iria battles Zerum for a bit. They go back and forth and she finally captures him. And as she hauls Zerum to the place where, Tepe, or she hauls Zerum to the place where uh, Kamiya is imprisoned. She lets Kamiya go, explains what's going on, and then she's about to send Zerum away. And everything looks like it's going to be just fine. But Zerum has these things that he can uh, secrete from his body, these like little spores. And they turn into these horribly gross goblin creatures called Lilliput. And this Lilliput literally jumps in this, the uh, the teleportation beam that's going to take Kamiya and Tepe back to their own dimension. Iria sees this immediately, pushes them out of the way, and starts beating the crap out of this Lilliput, only to get transported back to the home base. And when they get to the home base, the Lilliput is insane and keeps it just smashes all sorts of stuff, which breaks the teleportation unit which traps Iria in our dimension while Tepe and Kamiya are in the zone and they are sitting there like completely un- <laughs> like out of their element, literally out of their element, and uh, also unable to talk to anybody because they're the only humans there. And Iria has no way to contact them at first. So they're just sitting there and Iria left her bag. So... Tepe start going through, starts going through her bag, finds like a whole bunch of things that could be weapons. He eats a giant and bug. It's a giant bug because he's hungry, man. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, by the way, I was happy to see that bug come back in the animated series. <laughs> but uh, back to it, they they get attacked by another stupid Lilliput, and they pull out a gun. Right. And they start firing the gun and Tepe is a lousy shot. He misses the Lilliput and hits the actual device that's imprisoning Zerum and then hands the gun to Kamiya, who gets a direct hit. But it doesn't do much except for kill the Lilliput because Zerum escapes. And then once Zerum is on the loose again, they have to run away from Zerum. And, uh, you know, we cut back and forth between Iria and Bob trying to fix the equipment and, uh, and, uh, Kamiya and, and Tepe running away from Zerum. And this is basically what happens until Iria comes back. There's some other cool stuff like they pin Zerum, Tepe and, and, uh, Kamiya pin Zerum, uh, like up against a, do- a loading dock and they're in a truck and the, the little head inside of what, because like Zerum looks like a Ronin, right? He looks like he's got the straw hat, like we were talking about. And inside of that straw hat, which looks more like a mushroom, actually, when you're looking at it, uh, you know, in the real 
real life <laughs> when you're looking at it in person, I guess you'd say. But it's got this crazy little mask in this inside the the mushroom head, and that is actually what Zerum is. It's this weird, creepy looking alien, it's like a phallic creature. looking, like slug thing. Yeah. So the 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 front of it, the mask looking, the face of it is like a no mask from no theater in Japan. And it's very similar to a woman's mask. There's different types of masks and it's called otomen. No, otakomen. Nope. Onamen. That's what it's called. <sighs> anyway, so that mask is attached to what essentially looks like a penis. A, <laughs> a shaft of a yeah, penis. Right. It, it, it's a giant dick. Let's just. <laughs> we were watching this video. We were watching this show. I do not suggest it to anybody. Called like uh, extreme animal obsessions, and um, it has a guy in it who makes walking canes out of bull penises, and he <laughs> is loading bull penises onto a truck, and it is like damn frightening <laughs> and it looks exactly like Zerum, exactly like uh, what's behind that face anyway moving on the uh the the face busts through the back window of the truck and actually bites kamiya on the arm takes out a big chunk of skin uh but what that does is that actually gives it absorbs kamiya's dna i guess you could say and so Right after Zerum escapes from being pinned by the truck, he goes topless, takes off his shirt, and then uh, sort of spits out this spore thing, crushes it, and the green liquid pours out of the ground. And basically this lily-poot sort of version of Kamiya appears on the ground. And, I mean, it is disgusting. And I already thought those other things were disgusting. <laughs> but, like... Uh, I feel bad that they had to make Hotaru up like this, right? You guys... Well, yeah, it's like... uh, I'm assuming it's because, like, it only got to bite him that briefly, so it's... It's, I mean, that's how he makes these little minion creatures of his. So this one's like this half-formed, like, little deformed, pathetic-looking thing that yeah that he just ends up like murdering because it's, yeah, it's so pathetic he murders it <laughs> it just yeah, steps it's... around on it but basically zerum goes through the horror movie ending cycle several times right so she blasts him with the big gun everybody's like yay we did it and then Bob from the you know the computer voice Jarvis says I don't think you did that that uh, don't think Zerum can be destroyed with just the bazooka, and then of course Zerum comes back as the uh, the skeleton version that's stop motion that we were mm-hmm. talking about. There. They again blast that with a different BFG, and then uh, then trap that in the prison, send that back to the same dimension that we should be in. Then that escapes and goes through another transformation. Basically, it just does that until they finally beat Serum. And then they're all like, oh, thank goodness. We're all friends now. And then they take a selfie. Yeah. <laughs> the selfie thing actually does happen, by the way. He's not, he's not making that up. So what do you guys think of the movie? Well, I guess I'll go first, because I guess I'm the, the new, new newbie to this. Um... Uh, I really enjoy this movie. Um, there's some issues that I, I kind of have with it, but um, 
the creativity is just wonderful. Um, I'm imagining the zone probably came out of a budget thing, probably because I mean, if you if you're trying to make a monster movie and you don't have any money, uh, and you only have like a handful of actors, like just say, okay, well, we're gonna isolate ourselves in another dimension that looks exactly like the one we're in, only uh, there's not gonna be any other people here. <laughs> Only we're going to shoot it at night. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then it's going to be magically daytime when we shoot in the industrial sections. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's interesting. But really, um, the creature, the Zerum creature is just, geez, uh, wonderful. I mean, um, well, first of all, you have the three stages. You have the, you know, I guess the classic version that everyone knows that just looks like the big guy with the hat but then as the movie progresses you see it can do so many different things uh from you know biting people and barfing out these eggs to make these little soldier creatures to um so that is it's like kyle was saying zerum is actually a creature inside the little hat part um and then the rest of it aside from that little hat, is just a big mechanical um, suit uh, that it, it kind of pilots, I guess. So uh, That's like Earthworm Jim, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, so, I mean, that's just, that's already awesome. And then, um, and then after that, uh, the, you know, the first time it gets defeated, when the, its suit gets destroyed and it turns into that big stop-motion skeleton thing, um, and then after that, the third form is, um, I guess, maybe, like, the its real form, and that's when it, it turns into this thing um, that looks kind of like something out of uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, or or something like, if you know the movie like The Fly, like... Thing had a had a baby with their cousin yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or like yeah <laughs> it, it, or like at the end of the fly when he comes out of the the pod and like he's like fused himself with the pod like it's just this really gross fleshy disgusting looking combination of body parts and there's like there's it's got like boobs and like weird eyes and it's just a really weird looking thing um, and so the the creature itself is full of surprises, which I think anyone who's into monster movies is going to appreciate. I mean, the reveal of a creature carries so much, um, whether it's, you know, the alien or, you know, um, Godzilla in the original movie. I, there's so much to, you know, you see a little bit of it and see more and more. And the, the movie keeps doing that throughout these different forms. Um, along with really excellent uh, practical effects, um, the the character uh, Iria is I don't know she's your typical like stoic hero, but um, she's really cool and easy on the eyes. Um, the uh, Kamiya, who is uh, he's he was the cop in the Gamera trilogy as well. And uh, Tepe, his friend, um, they're definitely your comic relief. Um, I think some of their comedy lands, some of it doesn't. Um, but, I mean, some of it is really good. Like the part Kyle mentioned earlier where they're going through her bag and he eats the big bug. Like, that that's a funny scene. Um, and, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, if I have any real issues with it, I think it... I mean, this movie is something like an hour and 40 minutes. Probably could be trimmed up 10 minutes or so. Um, And uh, when I first saw it, I mean, I'd known about this movie forever. So my expectations were really high, and so I kind of came out like, eh, you know, it was good, but I don't see what all the fuss is about. And then when I watched it a second time, I actually enjoyed it much more. Uh, But I was able to pinpoint the part where the movie kind of loses me for a little bit, and that is when they get separated from Iria. Like, I feel like that there's a little... time. Yeah, there's a little stretch in there that is just a little too long, and then, you know, she keeps on sending them different weapons and stuff. I don't quite get how she can send weapons back so easily, but she can't just send herself back. I don't know. Oh, Bob. Got that. I've got that. Uh, you can't send organic matter when the transfers. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, the actual the zone, basically, with the exception of trees and, and shrubs and stuff, was nothing but inorganic matter. But so, but did they actually explain how she got back at the end? Because like, she, the zone is disappearing all around her, and like she's just on like a little chunk of land, and then she just yeah. They did Bob, uh, not Bob. Kamiya repairs the machine during the attack when they're trying to like fend off uh, Zerum. Well, I know end. that, but she's not like she's like in a in a whole other like. Right, but I'm saying when he were, I think his repairing the device is what allows her to come back. I don't know if it explains why they can and cannot sometimes send, you know, people through. Because uh, like you, you see All her right, come. Keep the podcast recording. We're just gonna we're just gonna watch the whole thing. Right yeah, now. we might as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I didn't mention the the. I didn't really talk much about the little Lilliputs. Uh, I think those are really cool, and the way he makes them is just super bizarre and yeah i love that scene where there's the one that's like half formed <laughs> that yeah. he kills. that's like just kind of whimpering on the ground uh but i yeah. love that because it it's obviously they're giving uh hotaru right his character uh, or i guess that's another character but they're giving him something to do that's different from his other you know his actual kamiya character and he's doing the the way he's acting is you can still get the feel that like this is a this is a useless being that the Zerum character <laughs> just like brought into life just absolutely completely useless and then when Zerum literally like goes ah guy <laughs> it's like it seals the deal <laughs> yeah that's a great scene but um. But no, it, it was a really enjoyable movie, and like I said, I can't say enough about the effects and just the creativity behind this monster. It's not you don't you don't get something like that often. It's so I I, I do think that there's a lot about this movie that's very special. Mister Yount, what did you think about the film? Well, I'm a huge fan of the Zaram franchise or series, as whatever we were calling it there, but. This one definitely is sort of uh, it's, you know, I've seen it the most out of all of them. And it's sort of the most special to me because it was my introduction to Keita Amemia. And, you know, I am a big fan of that man. So I actually thank the movie itself, like for for exposing me to his design style. And um, 
the movie itself is a fun little sci-fi epic. There's nothing big. There's no special message here. I was actually going to joke around with that <laughs> at first. I was going to say, well, what'd you guys get from your takeaway? What's the message from the monster? But there is none. I guess don't be a creeper. Don't like, don't follow women with holding an apple. Uh, but the, you know, this movie, it, it's a, it's just fun. And that's one of the things that I, I talk a lot about, about the Kaiju movies that I love is it's not something that you, it's, it's not something that you should work hard to get into. If you, if you don't already enjoy this movie, you're not going to really enjoy it very much. It's, the style of movie, it's like, what have you guys said? Practical. It is all practical. There's like, like any CG in this movie is stuff relegated to what's on the computer. You know, like yeah. there's stuff on the screen. Everything is practical in this movie. And that's one of the best parts about it. And actually kind of a little bit of a, I don't want to say a bummer because I absolutely applaud Amemia. Uh, you know, branching out and doing CG stuff in the early days of CG. But that's something that this movie has that none of his other movies are going to have. This one's going to hold up well because of the effects, you know, because of those practical effects and something like moon over Tau, which has really dodgy CGI in it. While I love the film, it kind of, I have to apologize for it. I don't have to apologize for anything in Zerum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the the effects are wonderful. I think for me the the best thing about the fu- the film is is obviously the creature. Uh it's it's lacks on the stories you guys alluded to. Um but the special effects are gorgeous. And it, we we reviewed Common Rider Zoe. If you like Zerum, go and watch Common Rider Zoe because you will see basically the same kind of stuff with the stop motion creatures mm-hmm. and they're beautiful. Also, it's on, the it's on YouTube and it's like 45 minutes, so there's really yeah, no you, excuse you, not to go watch it. But I, I also think the body horror elements that you get, like you have exploding heads in the the opening montage when he's massacring the battalion. You have body parts being like just blown to pieces, and then um, when he steps on that creature, it just like goos everywhere. Where it's the, the lily put, and there's so many really grotesque but visually interesting elements of this film that that's why I love it the way that I do. And also the, uh, the giant, you know, stretchy penis that attacks people and bites them. Like that's, it's such an interesting, uh, um, way to like reach through the, the back of the truck and then have it like wrap around and try to bite things. It's, it's just wonderful visual. It just, it's, it's visual candy basically. And it's nonstop. And then you have the transformations at the, towards the end of the film, which are just masterfully done. And I can't help but think when the, the second transformation, when it's kind of like the more skeleton Zerum, it reminds me of the the Terminator specifically when he's like dragging his foot because you like see them put emphasis on the way he's walking. And uh, there's just a lot of really cool elements to the film, and I think that's why I like it. Plus, the combat scenes with Eerie are actually pretty well done. Uh, there's, there's a lot of pretty typical anime tropes like uh era she comes and she strikes a pose before battling like there's a lot of that that happens and there's actually like some henshin elements where she transforms and she has a suit um but it, it's it's all done really well and it's entertaining and for the most part i mean i think it's an hour and 30 minutes it's a brisk watch i do think my complaint as you guys mentioned it should probably be trimmed down by 10 or 15 minutes that there's that one part towards either like the middle or the last third of the film where they're kind of in the city without her. And I really felt that dragged. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, and she keeps sending them different things to try. And it's like, you know, okay, have, have her do that once. 
<laughs> and then come back. Agree, agree. <laughs> uh, then you have the different, you know, weapons they use, which are pretty interesting. And she like, she puts that one rifle together, and it makes it like a big deal. And you're like, oh, the fight's finally over. No, just kidding. We have to do this all over again. Did you guys <laughs> notice the last the last form has like a boob that gets blown off? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I did. yeah. It has like weird, like deformed boobs and stuff. But one of them gets blown off, like <laughs> as in as in bye bye titty. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I have a question. Uh, her armor suit. So I don't I I don't think he ever said a reason, but Amamiya said like, yeah, I wanted to kind of subvert like how, you know, armor kind of looks. And I mean, we've talked about how he he's definitely primarily a visualist. You know, I, I think visuals are and how things look is probably his top priority. But he said so uh, what he did was. If you imagine any kind of battle armor, the parts that are usually covered are not covered, and the parts that aren't covered are usually covered. But, like, for, what does that do for her? How does so that help anybody? My interpretation of that was less about it being armor and more about it being a weapon. Because what she does with the armor is she powers it up, and that's what's helping her do battle. So in order to keep yourself protected you have to be really good at fighting with that armor otherwise they're just going to get through your own defenses which would be like the blocks you know putting your arm up and they're going to get through to your vitals hmm. not sure how useful that is but yeah i'm not saying it's useful <laughs> <laughs> yeah. interpretation. well it, it gives us that pretty cool sequence when like zero's shooting at her uh, which also reminded me of like the the thing on Predator because he's got like a shoulder cannon that comes out of nowhere you kind of forget about, um, but like he shoots three times and every time she blocks it and then like the last one like she blocks it into a silo that explodes which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, they I, did I that one too. That's like a really awesome coordinated shot and like I I just love both of them so much. Um, I have a couple trivia pieces before we give our final scores for the film. Um. So, Zirin was, was played by Mizuo Yoshida, who most people would know as Godzilla from GMK. Um, I think also, most people would know him as a guest on this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I don't know. I don't think that's true. But he, he's actually been a guest. Uh, well, he's been on Kyle's show a couple times, and yeah, he did ours. Yeah, he played Legion from Gamer 2, Death Ghidorah uh, from Rebirth of Mothra. Um, also, the Lilliput, the creatures that Zerum actually spawns, were played by a female uh, sun actress, Miami Aguni. And, and as far as I'm aware, she has no other credits. Um, but during the making of sequence that I watched, like they, they show her getting in and out of the, 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 uh, the Lilliput suit, which is pretty cool. Um, and then when I think it's Tepe, he's driving the motorcycle and he actually runs into or Zerum kind of like knocks him off the bike. Uh, during that scene, there was a wire harness that snapped, so that kind of sucks. But they they have it all on camera, so if you get the um, the DVD release that was put out, I don't know how long ago, um, but it, there's a making of that they have, and they they show that specific sequence. It's kind of interesting to watch that. And then another interesting factoid is that the the Zerum suit actually has a lot of the weight in the head, and it actually placed a pretty large strain on Yoshida's neck because of that. Which I guess I would imagine why not make that 
part of the suit lighter, but you know, I don't know. Well, well he actually, uh, Matt, if you listen to my, uh, your own podcast and also Kyle's podcast, he talked about that. Uh, he told both of us about that. He, um, he said like that, it's just like that part with that hat was like super heavy. So he, he was constantly during the making of this thing, having a hard time keeping his, his head like centered. Also, if you think about the the way that the Zerum costume is, underneath that sort of cloak that he wears, he has an entire, like, basically suit that goes from his chest up into his uh, into his face, and then that's where the um, you remember when he takes when I said he goes topless, he takes off his cloak and he's got like almost like spider teeth, yeah, yep, right there. Like, so imagine. All of that prosthetic or uh, that, you know, latex costume there, and then they stick on another hat, and then you start moving around, and then all of a sudden your body starts shifting, and the costume starts shifting the other way. Yeah, it can... I can totally imagine how much of a pain in the ass that would be, even, like, regardless of the weight itself. One of the things, uh, Bird, you, you mentioned was how it's kind of like the Samurai versus Godzilla. Like, you can totally see that throughout the film and i really appreciate that like every time he steps they make very specific like they they have the sound effect play and uh you know you can see that aesthetic to it which is kind of neat to think about honestly godzilla versus samurai and it kind of gets played out before you so um overall i really love this movie um i probably like it more than i should simply because of the creature itself but i'm at a pretty solid three and a half out of five uh, I'm right there with you. Um, the The creature is amazing, and I, I honestly think with a little bit more uh, tightening up in you know putting the the final cut together, this could easily be a four or a four point five. Um, but it, so it's a three and a half. But it's a really really good one, um, and uh, I mean it's it's about as high a recommendation as a, I can give something that I would give a three and a half out of five. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun and just, uh, if you haven't seen it before, uh, even if you li- have listened to us describe the, the creature and all the things it can do, I mean, you, you really got to see it to, to get an idea. It's, it's kind of got to be seen to be believed and it's just really masterful, uh, uh, treatment of, of a movie monster. So I love that. I would give this movie... 15 edible cockroaches out of 20. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what that averages out to because I don't feel like doing the math. But 15 out of 20, that's uh, it's pretty, pretty solid. solid. Yeah. What, why, why, we just said that at the same time. That was weird. Don't do that again. <laughs> we clearly talk way too much, apparently. <laughs> um, you guys are podcast bonding. It's so cute. Yeah, people are people are getting it right here. So let's let's talk about the uh, the animation a bit. So Iria, the animation um, came out the, in ninety four. The correct title is Iria Zerum the animation. Uh, Thank it, you very it, much. Okay, okay. Um, but it was released in six parts, um, and I believe Mister Yount has a few little tidbits that we'll talk about before we do the synopsis. Did you guys know that this was directed by Tetsuro Amino, who also directed The Dirty Pair and parts of the Mobile Suit Gundam SD? He also created, you know, some storyboards for Naruto, but... I understood about 20% of that, so no, I did not know. 
Uh, yeah, apparently this is supposed to be a prequel to the original Zerum, but the timelines really do not match up. And I no. actually was really surprised uh, to break off of the stuff that's on this paper here. I was really surprised that this was not a lead up to, to Zerum 2. So especially since they came out the same year. Right, that would make more sense. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into like how... V- this I don't know. I, I, I'm wondering if this was actually made as a prequel, or maybe like this. At least here in the states, when it came out, it was marketed that way. Because I don't know. There's no real way that can happen. Which I, I I suppose we'll we'll get into when we talk about the this mini series. But yeah, I, I'm not buying it. Um. So Matt, uh, well, we talked. Was that on? It was on the air. We were talking about uh, the convoluted nature of anime storylines. So, Matt, um, you have stepped up to the plate to uh, to to break this one down for us. So, um, Godspeed. Thanks, man. Uh, I, I would definitely just want to add. This feels more like a reboot than anything else, but. Like I said, we'll we'll, we'll cover that in a minute. Um, so the synopsis for this show. Uh, Iria and her brother Glenn, who is hilariously called Grin in the dub. Um, <laughs> did you? Every time they said that, I laughed. Um, so Iria and Glenn, and then uh, Bob, who's actually not a computer initially. He is in human form. They go to a ship called the Karma, and they're looking for a bounty. Uh, on the ship, they encounter Zerum, who promptly attacks them and basically mortally wounds Bob. Eerie and Bob manage to escape, but her brother Glenn stays behind, blowing up the ship, presumably killing him and Zerum. Um, and I'm doing my best to give you the Cliff Notes version because, like I said, this was a six-episode OVA. Um, so Eerie crash lands on another planet, and she manages to befriend some orphans in the process. Uh, Zerum kind of abruptly shows up, honestly feels like out of nowhere, and they do battle again. Um, they kind of battle to a standstill, and then eventually Zerum is transported. We don't really know where. Uh, and then eventually, Iria gets back to Earth, and we learn that a company called uh, Tidon Tepede is trying to blame the Karma ship, the original ship in the first episode that blew up. They're trying to blame it, uh, pass it off as basically an accident. And what they're doing, the reason they're doing that is because they're covering up for the fact that they want to use the Zerim creature as a weapon. And of course, the whole thing behind that is they want to get rich. Um, Iria basically infiltrates uh, Tepanan, and she visits the vice president of the company named uh, Pudiba, which I'm not making up. That's actually the name of the character in the dub. <laughs> uh, we also learn that Bob has been downloaded somehow into a supercomputer, which kind of explains Bob's appearance in the first film as a, you know, the, the computer behind the scenes help all Jarvis that we talked about. Um, Zerum attacks again, and he basically is attacking the city, and uh, Tepanan sends out a bunch of soldiers, and they all do battle, but at that point, Zerum is starting to produce these uh, creatures, basically the same Lilliputs that we, we referred to earlier. And this time, there's like an army of them, and they just keep coming. Like, literally hundreds or thousands of these things are just wiping out soldiers, and they're just fighting kind of to a standstill. No, nobody's really winning, um, but Zerum seems to be able to produce these things in infinite number at that point. 
During the battle, um, Iria actually goes and fights Zerum face-to-face, and we learn that Zerum actually is her brother, Glenn. And Glenn kind of rips out from the torso at one point, and it's pretty clear, because he asked her to kill him, that he's sort of staying... He, he's sort of stopping the Zerum's power for a minute so that he can let her know that, that he's there, but he can't do anything about it, basically. Um, I don't remember... I don't recall it ever really explaining why or how that happened. Maybe I don't you guys think it do. does. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it does. Um, they continue the battle, and we talked about the zone. Um, Iria manages to basically use the zone to travel to a different area, which ends up being a desert, and they fight. It really looks more like a moon for a second to me. Like, it's not very clear <laughs> where they are. Uh, but Iria eventually defeats Zerum by uh, cutting the the little you know phallic thing that pops out of the the hat um, right down the middle, and that kills the creature. And it kind of just ends abruptly. Um, I should mention that one of the orphans dies during the battle, one of the battles, which is pretty sad. Like that was actually a fairly touching moment, but uh, that pretty much sums up the plot. You did a much better job than I could have even hoped to do on that, man. Yeah, I've watched this once, and it was a couple months ago, so. Little of that, I'm a, I was a little rusty on. Uh, but uh, Kyle, you you watched this recently, right? I watched it this weekend, yeah, okay. because I had never really seen it. I'd only like started it essentially. Did they explain why the brother was Zerum at the end? So uh, <laughs> did they explain? I think I think everything was like an assumption on their part, but basically. Uh, I think in that very first battle, Zerum absorbed Glenn, which, by the way, I have to say, I watched nothing but the dub. Never once did I ever question the name Gren. (laughs) (laughs) It was Glenn. I'm like sitting here trying to hold in my laughter because it just never even. It all makes sense now. It totally all makes sense. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I just assume that, uh, that literally he absorbed, uh, Glenn or Gren. <laughs> and then maybe that, the, you know, maybe he absorbed gr- so much of Gren that, uh, Gren was able to sort of like collect his consciousness. I don't know. It was bizarre. It was bizarre. And I gotta say, uh, like the re- the reason I've only started this, series is because it just does not hold my attention right yeah i'm kind of there with you and i mean that that's a good segue into just the this you know our reviews and general thoughts um i i mean i know it's just a mini series it's just six episodes but i mean you could probably could have made it four and you know a lot of the conspiracy cover-up stuff gets a lot of attention um and I'm not sure if it needs all of that. Um, and like, I don't know. I get for character reasons. There's some some stuff that's kind of sweet. Like the second episode is where she gets stuck on a a planet called the Shadow Zone, which is basically like a ghetto. And yeah, she has a run in with these these kids, and you know, at the end, she ends up adopting the one kid who. Uh, these kids are irritating, by the way. Um, and you know, I mean, but. I'm not really sure if that's something that needed a full, you know, 30 minutes episode dedicated to it. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, the stuff like the stuff with the, the brother is weird. Also, like, uh, so Bob gets killed and uploaded into a computer by the, the organization, but like, why? What, what do they need him for? And then he like betrays them, uh, which is how it basically, <laughs> all of a sudden, Iria is getting like communications telling her where to go and what to do, the way that we see it happen in the first film. And... She's like, oh, so you're the person who's been leading me here. But if the company uploaded him into a computer and he's now betraying – like it's just a whole mess of stuff that it's, – it's kind of briefly hinted at but never really touched on, never really expounded upon. And it, it doesn't serve the story justice. And in fact, I would argue you can cut this thing in probably half because all the interesting stuff is going to be some of the action sequences – um, some of the reveal for, for Glenn actually being part of ZRAM or ZRAM. I used to call it ZRAM as a kid, so you have to forgive me. Um, it's it's a really – I watch a fair amount of anime. I'm by no means a connoisseur, but like it's not a strong story by any means. I do think some of the animation is beautiful and gorgeous, but it, it doesn't hold or captivate really in any way. Um, I struggle to get through it as well, uh, Kyle, so don't feel bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. Uh, I will echo that the animation is really good. The action scenes are really cool. Um, the actual creature, uh, Zerum creature, I think adapts to animation really well. Um, and uh, there are some cool, like the the attack of the, you know, all those like little Lilliput creatures, like that was pretty cool and not something you could really pull off in live action, at least not with the budget of the movies. Um, but yeah, there's just a, too much meandering, and um, uh, it's interesting because uh, anime and, you know, design work and art and everything, that's something Amamiya has done a lot of, but I don't really... I don't. The only credit I see on here for him is a story credit, not even screenplay, just story um, and I don't see any like producer or directing or art design credits, which is kind of odd to me. Do either of you know if he was involved any further than maybe like a story outline? I did ask him a little bit about that. And I'm trying to remember what he said. I know he was involved, um, but I think it. So Matt and I were talking earlier um, and I'm, I'm just going to posit this. So this is not set in stone. This is not something that I heard from him, but basically Mikazuki, this was this part I did actually hear from him. Mikazuki was produced. It's a six episode series and it was produced for a very specific time. I think it's in the summer when the kids get out of school. Uh, so that's why Toei produced the Mikazuki series. This being a six episode series that came out right at around the same time as another Zerum film. I'm wondering if I, I I don't know if it was Toei Toei or not, but if uh, whoever commissioned it, if they commissioned it for that same period of time. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, is that stuff that you asked him on your uh, the interview you did with him? I did talk a little teeny tiny bit about the okay. the animation, but All we right. I mean I was trying to cover a whole bunch of stuff in that entire. All right. So hour. people, if this comes out before your interview, people should. Keep an eye out for that. And if it comes out after your interview, people should go and listen to Kyle's interview with uh, Mr. Amemia because I'm sure it's awesome. So 
Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, uh, getting back on course here, yeah, I'm really, it sounds like we're all kind of on the same page with this one, um, that's not to say it doesn't have interesting ideas or cool things in it, um, but if you were to tell me, like, hey, I want to get into Zerum, should I watch this? I would probably be like, eh, maybe, like, see if there's, like, some scenes on YouTube you can check out, but I don't, I don't think I would tell someone to sit through all six episodes unless they really wanted to. Um, now, if this was indeed an actual prequel, I would say, yeah, you know, maybe check it out. It might answer a few things. But like I said, man, I'm not buying this prequel talk. Uh, a few reasons. First of all, Iria kills Zerum deader than a doornail at the end. So, I, I mean, after watching that, I don't know how this thing would have been able to resurrect itself. It pretty much shrivels into a little piece of crap <laughs> at the end. Um, secondly, uh, the character Fujikuro, uh, he essentially sacrifices himself at the end of this, but then we uh, get our first live-action look at him in Zerum 2, uh, and he's alive and well. And also, in the first movie, it's definitely implied that uh, Iria doesn't meet Zerum until that film, when they meet, you know, when he comes to Earth. And so, yeah, I... It's something, I don't... But I, I'm not... Like I said, <laughs> I'm not sure if it was just marketing purposes, but I do have a really hard time believing this was supposed to be a direct prequel or tie-in, um... Like, uh, one of you said it seems more like a reboot or just like a, uh, a retelling of, of these characters that, like, I, I don't consider this anime to be in the same universe as the movies. Iria doesn't even, part of... Iria doesn't even look like right. Like, it looks <laughs> nothing like her. Yeah, I I completely agree with you, man. Like this this anime is not something that I feel like I've really gained anything from watching in the the Zerum series. Um, but the one thing that I will say about it, because we were kind of talking about like how much was Amemia involved in it. If you watch movies like Cyber Ninja and movies like Moon Over Tau, sometimes sometimes Amemia kind of gives this vibe that's like, I want to show people what the world would look like if technology had advanced in Asia, but there had not been any Western influence. And so you get these really weird high tech, but still very traditional Asian looking things. Like remember in the very first episode, they were getting these people from the ship, uh, I don't remember the ship's name, but they were getting these people off the ship, the Karma, and into these little escape boats. And the boats literally looked like boats with the Japanese roofs. Mm -hmm. You guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of thing that that says Amemia to me, you know? And I don't know if that's, like, he just had a little bit of influence in it, but I, I definitely wanted to bring up the fact that, like, that is what I consider to be kind of his style. Like if you watch cyber ninja, you'll see a hell of a lot of that stuff, like crazy tank looking things that have like Japanese roofs and, uh, and, uh, ornate stuff all over them. But 
in the long run, I, I would never suggest anybody watch the anime unless they were like a really huge anime fan. And I'd be like, well, give it a shot. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, piggybacking on what Bird said, I mean, there, there's no way that this could really be a prequel. And he mentioned all the reasons why. Um, I think for me, this is a show that like, I don't regret really watching it, but I have no desire to go back to it. And I could see it uh, not being something anyone who's not a huge fan of Zerum and just had a, a curiosity about the anime would really want to watch. And so I'm probably sitting at like a one and a half out of five, which is pretty brutal. But like, it's too long and it doesn't do enough in the six episodes to really keep your attention. And there's a lot of interesting ideas that aren't quite fleshed out. Um, so I, I think it's just kind of a, a poor production when the movie is, is so much better. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to be at quite as harsh. Uh, I'm feeling generous today. So I, I'm going to give it a two, which essentially just means, you know, it was it's boring and forgettable um but it's not something you know i i feel like i just absolutely 100% shouldn't have bothered with it's just not something i would rewatch probably ever again um but that being said i mean the the action suite sequences are cool um there's a lot of really uh good animation and some of the things they do with the f- the format are interesting but there's just not enough there to make it feel like something i ever have a reason to go back to or recommend it to anyone for you like i said i mean they, you can probably look up some clips of some of the highlight scenes on youtube or something and and get all you really need um so yeah it's it's just kind of there and you know it it, yeah and like you guys said it's it's at least three two three episodes too long so uh senor yount i will give this two out of five hair beads Okay. And uh, I will also say that this is this was like the only thing that this movie is perfect for is have you ever been to a, like a cool bar that projects stuff onto the wall? But yeah, you don't hear yeah, yeah. It, just drink and hang out with your friends. Mm-hmm. That's what area the animation is good for. Yeah, like it, yeah, it, like um, one night worth of entertainment yeah. on the wall. December 1994, the same year, we have uh, Zerum two. Which is obviously uh, the sequel to Zerum. However, um, uh, discrepancies uh, really make it so I can't say that. <laughs> like Kyle said, I don't know why this that anime wasn't like just done as a direct lead into this. That's kind of mind-boggling. But Amemia is back, um, and. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll do my best version of the synopsis because I really don't have much information or trivia. Um, I think this movie is probably, it's probably way less popular than the original series or maybe even the anime. Like I said, I remember the anime being on the sci-fi channel and it was shown here on TV, um, off and on. Uh, so I don't remember, like, I don't remember seeing a lot of Zerum 2 either on TV or in video stores, so... Um, yeah, I think this is just one where there's probably not a whole lot of English language, uh, information on here, but the synopsis and, uh, the setup to this movie is a little clunky and confusing, so I may defer to you guys if I, uh, I struggle here, um, but Zerum 2, uh, finds us with, um, 
Kamiya and Tepe, they're still working for the electric company. Uh, we, we, we mentioned Kamiya uh, was a little bit of a creep in the last movie, but this movie really, right off the bat, isn't afraid to show you that as he's like uh looking for a buying a video camera and he's like uh filming women's legs and butts and stuff as they walk down the street so he's he's <laughs> just being a total perv and i don't know Class. Some, yeah <laughs> and uh you always have comic relief characters like that in japanese stuff i don't know why uh but it it makes them a little harder to like for me um meanwhile and here's where i'm going to need some help cuz i don't think the movie's quite clear uh, like the opening scene is like some robots exploding, and um, and then Iria comes to Earth again with uh, Fujikuro, um, and they have this artifact, this material called Camerite. Um, like, and this is where it gets even weirder because Fujikuro references one of the events in the anime. He's like, "Remember when you were stranded on that planet?" So I don't know what's going on there, but um, but I I. Anyway, there is a an, another group of uh, I don't know. Is it fair to call them aliens? What are they? Yeah, they're like uh, they're like inter- so. If Iria is an intergalactic bounty hunter, they're like intergalactic bad guys, smugglers, <laughs> villains, okay. mobsters. That's what I'm guessing. Okay. Um, anyways, and they want it, um, and so they f- they follow her. And she ends up in a, a confrontation with them, and then out of no, and then Bob, uh, who is also back again in computer form, he says like, uh, "There's a robot ally that's supposed to come and help you. Um, just, just uh, wait." And then a Zerum unit shows up and slaughters all these guys. Uh, and there's a lot of blood and arterial spray. Um, it looks a lot like the classic Zerum that we're familiar with. Um, and then, uh, Iria's kind of upset because he killed all these people and, uh, and they're like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. He's fine. He was just trying to help. Um, and then I, <laughs> at least the way it's delivered in the movie, like I said, you guys can step in and correct me if I'm getting this wrong. Cause I'm not, the beginning is kind of, the setup is kind of clunky, but it, it, it appears that uh uh this okay so this zerum it has the face on the chest and it's again a very feminine looking face with a big phallic thing behind it only this time it also has boobs um and so uh (laughs) so uh um uh the face like the little there's like a little shield in front of it that gets broken in this battle and then uh a bunch of blood sprays on it and I, the movie seems to kind of tell us that that causes it to like malfunction or something, and then it it pretty much kind of regurgitates the setup of the first movie where um, the they have to fight it in a zone, and uh, Zer, uh, 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 Tepe and Kamiya get trapped in the zone. This time, the zone is in the on the top of the is it the is it pronounced Kanan? Oh, Kanan, yeah, yeah, the, the uh, statue. Um, which is a really interesting setting. Uh, I like that a lot. Um, and they, they fight outside of it and, uh, in what appears to be like the gift shop. Um, and, uh, it's really just for the rest of it. You can probably just replay a lot of our synopsis from the first movie. Um, uh, and 
yeah, that's that's Zerum two. Uh, the 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 and the 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 monster looks a lot different in here. Um, so it eventually um, it turns out that the head and everything is not in the hat. Uh, so again, I, I do like that he's kind of subverting expectations. So when it loses the hat, it has a head that looks kind of like a a dog or a fox. It has like what looks like these little ears. And then in the chest is where you find the actual creature. Um, uh, and he does bring back the having feminine traits. Like it has these two like kind of boob things. And then like there's another little thing over that almost looks like it's where like you would find like a ovaries. Um, and, uh, like I said, the, 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 the phallus creature thing has, has its own boobs now. Um, so he's kind of sticking with that feminine, uh, properties being on this, you know, big intimidating monster. Um, so that's Zerum 2. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into more of it as we do our review, but, um, I'll give my, my general thoughts are it's, very similar to the first movie, which doesn't have to be a bad thing. I mean, I'm a Friday the 13th fan. That's essentially, what, like 12 of the same movie over and over. Um, uh, but, you know, it can wear a little bit. And, um, uh, you know, I, I like the creature in the first movie a lot more. Um, and, uh, you know, well, I'll have more to say about it as we go on. Um, I will say, when I was talking to matt and one of our other friends about these movies they were like oh zerum 2 it sucks it freaking sucks it's just terrible and then i watched it and i was like yeah it's a rehash but it's not not terrible it's not that bad but um we'll get into more of that in a little bit so uh, i'm gonna give you guys the chance to uh speak up kyle why don't we hear from you because uh you're you're the big zerum guy how do you feel about the second film here well, for, I'm glad you asked me, Bird. Uh, the first thing I wanted to actually do is actually kind of step back a little bit. And so when you're talking about the very introduction to this film, you see a Zerum unit or what could potentially be a Zerum unit and, uh, you know, destroying things in a desert. So I thought what I would do is I'd offer up a theory, right? So we've seen <laughs> Zerum in the first movie. We've seen Zerum in the anime. In both of those, Zerum was destroyed, right? Like we saw we saw Zerum destroyed. Everybody celebrated at the end. And then at one point during the anime, because I watched the first episode so many times trying to get into it, someone says something about it being illegal to keep Zerum as a pet. And so now my theory literally sprouting from our conversation here is that Zerum is an alien, really rare alien creature. And that if you can get a Zerum and you can keep it alive, you can install it in a bio unit body and it can become like your personal bodyguard. Who wants to keep one of these things? (laughs) But that's what I'm thinking, man. Like these these crazy sci-fi space dudes, you know, who need like all this crazy protection, if they think that they can have like the ultimate bodyguard, I am totally spitballing with all this stuff. But basically the beginning of that movie definitely had a Zerum unit being tested. And then after the end of the testing, they said, it's all good. We need to get it certified, I think. And they said, who can certify it? And then they, the job was to go to Iria and Bob. <laughs> 
That's our that so that's sort of what I'm thinking deal is. That's also why I think it looks different. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that because I don't think it. I mean, it never explains that bizarre opening sequence that I'm aware of, and it definitely appears to be Zerum doing all that destruction, as you mentioned. I, I could see that. There's there are definitely things that happen in, to people in that intro that Zerum has access to later. Like there's a crazy looking bug thing that comes out of the arm. You know, that was from the movie. Mm-hmm. For sure. Anyway, uh, so I like Zerum 2. In fact, I'm sort of a Zerum 2 apologist. I, I think Zerum 2 is much better than I know it actually is. In essence, Zerum 2 is essentially cool scenes strung together. And once Iria meets up with both Tepe and Kamiya, the movie gets less interesting to me. It's more interesting to me when... You have, like, all these crazy bad guys. You know, uh, you mentioned the first movie, Bird, I think you mentioned it, that the first movie sort of seems a little low budget. Mm-hmm. Like, they spent all on sci-fi. All the, the, like, they spent all their money, not on sci-fi, but on the uh, special effects and on that stuff. Because they really only had basically four actors in that first movie. This movie... They have so many more actors, and it looks like they have so much more money, but they sort of they, they spend all of that at the beginning of the movie, and then once, the, once you get back to the core of Iria, Tepe, Kamiya, and Bob, all of those other guys are gone, and you're just back to them and Zerum again, and the Lilliputs. But, uh, yeah, I think this movie is unfortunately not as good as I want it to be, but it's it still has a lot of really great stuff in it, but it also has some bad stuff in it too. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I am. Uh, um, the good thing is, like it, it when once you know it kind of gets into uh, it, pretty much rehashing the first movie, the the pace picks up a little bit. But yeah, so much of it is like okay, we've been there, we've done that. You know what bothered me because you you mentioned the the, the opening credits. And um, so what did I say about the creature in the last movie? I said it's full of surprises. Like, you never know what it's going to do next. And what bothered me, maybe beyond reason in this one, is in the opening credits, they're literally showing you all the things it can do. It's like, okay, the this Zerum, it comes apart here. Oh, it, its arm can turn into, like, a little bug thing and so it's like when you watch the movie it's just like oh yeah i already saw it do that in the opening credits so it's not really like it's not as it's not as fun mm, mm-hmm. i can see that uh i i think i just i really dislike this particular zium creature and, and i think that's why i love the first one so much and conversely it's why this one doesn't really do much for me um, it's it's a less interesting version of the first movie, and uh, I I don't know, like it's just it's kind of eh. it just kind of moseys along and it does its thing, and you get like a staff battle and you get some interesting fight scenes, but everything that this film does was done a lot better in the first movie. And and watching these two back to back as I did, like it was a very large letdown. Um, it's it's eh. it's meh. See, I, uh, don't, I do I don't dislike the creature i just think that it can't really do as much stuff as the first one you know it it does it doesn't go through any like it doesn't really have a final form there's a there's a part of the end battle where like some of i guess what is like essentially almost like a mask gets like 
blown off and like you see kind of like what it would look like underneath all the like robotic suit but it doesn't like the other one goes through three different transformations and this one is mostly the same so it's it's not it's a it's a i don't think it's a bad monster it's just not as interesting for those reasons did you guys like the the dog lily puts they were fine i felt like that part kind of went on a bit too long that, that's definitely like i don't know it's just so obvious i mean i know it's dumb for me to say on a podcast like this but it's so obviously a person in a suit that dog creature <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well f- first up the the dog creature in this movie looked way more like refined as a creature design than the Lilliputs did of the first movie. But that's what I loved about the Lilliputs of the first movie. You know, I say those things are disgusting, but I love that they're disgusting. You know, this dog thing, not to mention, can I just be cliche as hell and be like, I'm really pissed that they killed the dog in that movie. But, uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's I mean that's basically my dog on screen. That's oh, exactly yeah, yeah, that's right. Like. And I when I first fired this movie up again after getting it on Blu-ray, I was like, "Oh, dude, I forgot about the Shiba in this movie." And then ten <laughs> minutes later, I was like, "No." <laughs> I see when I, I I rewatched and see I watched it once a few months ago, and then I just rewatched it, and actually at that moment. My three-year-old was like, was happened to wander in the room, and she was like, "Puppy!" And I knew exactly what was going to happen, so I just like fast-forwarded like thirty seconds. So I can't, I can't talk much about the scene because I don't remember it very well. That's funny. <laughs> Remind me to tell you about watching the Vampire trilogy and my girlfriend walking in because that's <laughs> that's the story. But the uh, and also nebulous enough for the listeners that if you kept this in, they'd be like, what's going on? So this movie really suffers from, I feel like, too much front loading. Right. So that the everything, like I said, visually that I love in the beginning of this movie, it just sort of goes away at the end. And I feel like that really makes it unbalanced. It seems like after a certain point. I can just turn the movie off and I'm, it doesn't hold anything for me. And that's the bummer for a Zerum project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can see that. I think for me, it kind of picks up in, I really like the last fight scene, you know, and I, I like the setting uh, in, inside this statue and, um, you know, it looks like the, the thing they need to, um, activate their, activate their machine looks like the, the little souvenirs in the gift shop. Like I, I like stuff like that. Um, and I, I think that the fight scenes themselves, I think, um, without having to deal with that big hat thing, I think, uh, it gave Yoshida a chance to be a little bit more, um, quick, uh, and stuff. And so the fight choreography, I, I do enjoy quite a bit, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it, there's, like you said, there's a lot of front loading, um, there's a lot of cool stuff in the beginning, and then it kind of just gets into the same routine. Uh, and like I said, I, I just think that it's kind of clunky, the setup in the beginning. And uh, the movie's never really clear what anyone's doing. Um, and the character of Fujikuro is just weird in this. Um, and again, like comparing it to the anime, like the version in this movie really isn't... He's like a goof. In the anime, he's he's 
like comic relief, but he's a little bit more like he has like more agency in this. He's just kind of like useful in the anime. (laughs) Right. Yeah. In this, he's just like some guy and you're just kind of like, why is he even in this? Um, uh, So I don't know. It's a little bit it's more of a mixed bag, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And I will say um, I know it's the same characters, same actors, obviously writer, director, Amamiya is the same. I didn't think that Tepe and Camilla were as funny in this one. I didn't I didn't think they were I, I mean they they act similar in both, so maybe it's just the way they're written. Um and in both they can get irritating, you know, they're constantly mugging for the camera and you know acting like these like, you know, Abbott and Costello or something, but uh <laughs> that reminds me. Someone actually d- described the first movie online actually really well. He described it he's by saying uh it's like Abbott and Costello meet Alien. um but yeah i didn't i didn't find their antics as amusing um there are some nice character moments from them we we forgot to mention the subplot uh so how they even find iria tepe is getting ready for what he's gonna get married the next day uh and he's about to have what i guess is uh, maybe a Japanese equivalent to something like a wedding recital or something. And he notices Iria across the street and he just leaves and never comes back. <laughs> 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 but there are, are actually, but my point uh, is that there are actually some, some nice little character moments when the movie does slow down between him and uh, Kamiya where, you know, he was upset at him because he wasn't going to his wedding. And then, you know, he actually tells him why, um, you know, his son has a big game that he promised to go to because, you know, he's on the outs with his wife. And, you know, I mean, those are just some nice little um, character moments that kind of give you a little bit more of an idea of who these guys are than most of their other scenes in these movies. So, you know, the, their their stuff isn't a complete waste, but yeah, I just didn't find them as amusing. I like uh, Tepe and and uh, Kamiya as a as a team. You know, I, if they did a third Zerum movie, I would be happy to see them come back. It'd be nice to see more of a time progression. You know, like di- and did these characters actually grow? You know, that's sort of one of the things I look for in any movie is like character growth, character development, and uh, you know, in that very first film. You could say that Kamiya doesn't grow, and it would have been nice to see Tepe because he starts the movie off as such a sort of like, oh, I'm a young guy, I don't know anything, you know, and which is why Kamiya is taking that sort of like bravado stance whenever they have conversations in the first movie. It'd be nice to have that updated for the second film where. Kamiya might still be like trying to be the, you know, the big guy, but you could tell they're, they've got the same rank. They're not like supervisor and, and underling. And it'd be nice if in the second movie, Tepe was a little more confident. Like he learned something from the first film. Yeah. They're, they're pretty much exactly the same. <laughs> um, except, yeah, except he's going to get married. So, <laughs> Uh, well, I guess is the wedding still on? He just left there. Like, <laughs> he's like oh, that one hot girl's back. I'm gonna be right back. <laughs> yeah, he didn't seem very invested in in it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't tell someone not to watch it. 
I would, but I would say is, I don't know, if you're going to watch the first one, you might as well watch this one, because it does do some cool stuff, but yeah, I mean, the, it doesn't seem quite as creative, um, and yeah, you, you would think that for someone like uh, Amamiya, he would maybe branch out a little more, um, but I, I do like the Zerum creature in this, I just don't think it's as interesting as, as the original. Yeah, it's a cool, different look, you know, and so the first one looks really bulky, and then once you get the sort of, like, the look of the first one off of the look of the second one, you know what I mean, like, where it's, like, almost in disguise, the second form, or the second, you know, movie's Zerum looks more almost like a superhero, you yeah, know, yeah. it's got, or, or, uh, or, you remember how Gigan showed up in Final Wars, and looked like uh, it was strapped with leather. Like, mm-hmm. that's what Zerum reminds me of in this film. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do like that, you know, he subverts the whole, like, you know, here's your classic Zerum, and he's like, no, nah, never mind, you're getting something completely different. It's different, but it's, you know. But it doesn't do, it doesn't continue going, which is, I think, what, I mean, I think everybody here loved that about the first iteration of Zerum, right? Yeah, you, you never really knew what it was going to do, which A, this movie ruins in the opening credits and B, um, <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't have those transformations or anything. It almost feels like a step back, like the creature from the first movie would wind up in a sequel. Yeah, like when this Zerum 2 creature goes through the transformation and it basically just flumps out some big wings, that was kind of <laughs> disappointing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Matt, you have anything to add? You ready to to do our scoring or? Yeah. Um, like I said, I think this is just a much less interesting version of the first. And I find it very forgettable. Um, it's not that I wouldn't recommend someone watch it, but I don't think uh, I don't think it, it holds a candle to the, the first. And um, I'm probably at a, at a two out of five. Uh, I would give this, geez, I'm between a two and a half and a three. Well, if I'm going to be generous to the anime and give it a two, I'm going to give this a three, uh, which means it's average. Um, you know, it's good enough to exist, but it's not the kind of thing that, you know, I'm, you know, really eager to revisit. Uh, and you know, I don't feel like it was a waste of my time. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a three. You know, it's a step back from the first one, but um, you know, the creature isn't as cool, but it's still cool. And I mean, I, my big thing is I do really like the fight choreography. Um, and I, I really like the, you know, I think Yoshida was able to move a lot more and I, I do feel like they use that to their advantage. And I, re- I, I actually think the setting of, you know, the top of this statue is a little more interesting than, you know, the warehouse or whatever of the first one. So there, there's some, some good stuff in it. So I, I, I think a three is, is fair. All right. Well, I'm, you know, I'm still a big fan of this movie and I still, of course, adhere to what I said earlier that I want to like this movie better than I do. But uh, overall, watching it with the the lens of is this a good film? Unfortunately, it just doesn't hold up as much as I'd like it to to the first film. And that's never a good thing for a sequel, even though it's sort of like common practice yes usually usually how how it goes is the sequel you know uh but uh, you know i the the character design and the um 
the set design and the locales and everything that is outside of the actual story. Uh, <laughs> All I the give, technical I give stuff. stuff. Major, major <laughs> props. I mean, I think this one was definitely better shot than the first one and had a lot more going for it. It just unfortunately didn't perform as well uh, for me. And so because of that, I am going to give this film 15 out of 30 slaughtered <laughs> scoundrels from intergalactic <laughs> locales. And I actually can do the math on that one. That uh, would be a 2.5. <laughs> uh, okay, so, um, yeah, that's Zerum. It's an interesting series. Uh, I think if there's a takeaway here... Uh, for people who might not be familiar, I would say watch the first one for sure. Skip the anime. If you really liked the first one, check out the second one. But if you're like, eh, the first one's okay, but I don't need whatever, you know, I would say skip the second one. But if you really like the first one, I'd say check the second one out. That is a very fair recommendation, I think. I can't argue with it. Um... There's not much more to say about this stuff. Uh, a couple things. Um, there were two video games. There was Hyper Area for Super Famicom and Zerum Zone for PlayStation. I'm imagining those didn't get stateside releases, but um, uh, I don't know. I looked at some playthroughs on YouTube, and they seem to be your kind of standard uh, beat-em-up kind of side-scroller games. Um, and I, I do had no idea that, that those were the game titles, yeah. and then... I was doing my research on the first movie, and I was like, what the hell? Because I watched the anime, and the anime, they were uh, the, they're fighting in an area called the Shadow Zone. Mm -hmm. And I knew that there was something about Zone, which is where they were doing the alternate dimension. So I was searching. I was like, I'll just search for Zerum Zone. And then all those results came up. I was like, what the hell? It's <laughs> an actual game? Yeah. And I think uh, I think they both kind of um, take from the anime more than anything. Like I said, the anime was weirdly popular. Um, and then I know, because uh, like, I was looking at a couple interviews with him, um, and uh, Amemiya, for a long time, had planned a Zerum 3, so much so that he announced at one point, like, yeah, we're doing a, a third movie. But uh, it never happened. But... If it, I don't know. I mean, I I'm, I wouldn't be opposed to a third movie, but I don't know. It's kind of like you were saying, Kyle. I would expect more from the characters, and I don't. I, it's something that I don't think he should do unless he has a really interesting idea for it. Like maybe explore some of the things that the anime did, like what some of these other planets or dimensions are like, or something like that. I realize that would probably cost like seven times as much as either of these movies, but. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't see a need for a third movie unless it was willing to really kind of get out there with it. Yeah, I'd like to see him maybe branch out. I, like, Because I don't know if Amemia writes his own stuff or or what, but I'd like to see him do more. Like, I know he's basically been in Garo land for a long time. So, uh, you know, if a Zara movie was warranted and could bring him back to like you know the cinematic universe that'd be kind of cool but uh, like like we said i don't want to see another zara movie unless it really needs to happen yeah i agree um I i'm just in love with the first film so much that like the next two iterations were letdowns and if they did something again 
I hope that they can go back to having the creature transform a few more times or at least be just more interesting. Um, be more unpredictable. That's that's yeah, what makes that's, that's, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's what makes that first one. Also give me a, a remake all the body horror. At, with body horror. A remake of Logan as Zerum with all the body horror. <laughs> I would be down with that. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> I'm a huge body horror fan, so yeah, I mean you can never have too much body horror. Well, Mr. Yount, thank you for joining us today. It's been a lot of fun. You guys, thank you so much for having me on. I, like I said earlier, I have no problem like jumping, <laughs> jumping topic train, and this was a blast to do. Thanks yeah, for having me. Yeah, this was on. a lot of fun. Yeah, we we should uh, maybe have you back at some point. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, one last uh, little plug for you: if this episode uh, wine is is out there before your interview with Keita Amamiya. Um, Anyone listening to this should stay tuned, and I'd imagine most of our listeners are familiar with Kaiju Cast. But if not, of course, check it out. Um, the sound quality is better, and uh, Kyle here is very good at what he does with a very differently formatted show. Um, and not only that, uh, but if his um, uh, interview is already out, go check it out. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah, but no, yeah, the, this was a lot of fun, and um, it's it's been awesome having you here. I know we, we talked on and off for a little bit about finding something to do with you, so um, this only seemed to fit. Oh, yeah, it was perfect timing, perfect timing. To uh, everyone out there listening, thank you, and yeah, tune in next time.